Jesus. We were talking about the story of Jesus and Peter. Jesus asking his disciples the question, who, who do, he first asked them, this, the first question he asked them was, who do people say that I am? And we talked about how that's the easiest question to deal with. Everybody is always ready to talk about other people, right? I mean, if we want to talk about anything, let's just start talking about other people. We'll, we'll talk about people all day long. And we live in that society that uh, is out there. They're looking for that failure point, and that's going to become news. Oh, man, the, the news ratings are going to be high. Somebody made a mistake. And I told you I'm just amazed at certain things that happen in that level, whether it's a broadcaster who makes a comment, and I get those things. But that's the society we live in. You make a mistake, they're going to be on you. And that's the easy thing to talk about, talking about other people. And Jesus addressed this because then he noticed that the, the disciples were quick to talk about what everybody else was saying about him. And he got to the main point. He said, but who do you say I am? And that is where he wants us to be, personal responsibility. Who do I say Jesus is? What am I doing for Christ? What am I doing to help society? Before I complain about the government, before I complain about my city, before I complain about the mayor, before I complain about policies, what am I doing to help the crisis? What am I doing? And I believe a 24-7 disciple is always looking inward. And as we look inward, I believe God then gives us the power to help those around us. He gives us the wisdom to help those around us as we search our hearts. So let's pick up the story again in Matthew chapter 16. Uh, again, verse 13, I'm going to read it to you again. It says, When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? Well, they replied, Some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. Then he asked them, But who do you say that I am? And I believe there was a long pause. Finally, in verse 16, Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, You are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. What a moment! What a powerful moment. What powerful statements. What a moment for Peter to receive that acknowledgement from the Christ, from Jesus. You are Peter. You're a rock. God has revealed this to you. All Peter did was simply declare the truth that God had presented to him. Peter wasn't special. Peter wasn't born in the right family. He wasn't even born in the right tribe. He could have been born in the tribe of Levi, if not from the family of Aaron, because that would have set him up to be one of the prestigious priests. But he wasn't born there. Peter didn't have any special features to his resume. He was an ordinary fisherman. But that all changed one day when he acknowledged what God had given to him. And I'm so grateful this morning that the Word of God declares that if you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. Your life will be changed. You will be set on a new course. You will be set on a path of life and peace and joy. 
I can tell you today there is power inside of you. There is power in your words. You can declare as God has revealed to you. And I can tell you today that Jesus has been revealed to you. His love has been revealed to you. His power has been revealed to you. His mercies have been revealed to you. You are special today, just like Peter. Peter wasn't being, Jesus wasn't setting Peter above everybody else, but he was setting him in a place of blessing because he declared what God had given to him. And you can do the same. You can declare, no matter what you're going through today, no matter what you're facing today, you can declare that Jesus is my Messiah, that Jesus is my Lord. He is my provider. He is my shepherd. No matter what you're going through, you have the power to declare what God is in your life. No matter what you're facing. I was talking this morning, uh, yesterday, to a young man in Utah. His dad is, is going through, he's in the hospital. He's in the emergency room. They're not sure if he's going to make it. And I encouraged him with the Word of God, and he responded back with the Word of God. It's the Word of God that carries us through those difficult moments of life. It's the declaration that you declare from the bottom of your heart that no matter how you feel or no matter what you're looking at, you can declare that God is with me, that God is for me, that He is my shepherd, and He will never leave me. He will never forsake me. And in those moments of declaration, you have His presence and you have His power. Again, emphasizing this morning the importance of our prayer time because it's when we're praying every day and reading His Word every day that God has given to you truth. And what God gives to you, no one can take away. Nothing can take it away from you. Nobody can take away those promises. Nothing can snatch them. No matter what you're going through, no matter what the doctor says, no matter what the lawyer says, no matter what your spouse says, no matter what people are calling you, no matter what people are, are saying about you, nobody can take away what God has given to you. And you hold on to it and say, no, this is what God says about me. I just read it this morning. I know what you're trying to tell me, but I read this morning that I am a child of God. I am His. I belong to Him. I have a hope. I have a future. I have somebody I can count on. I have Jesus Christ. And this morning we can declare that. And Peter did that. And boy, what a moment for Peter. What a moment for Peter. Until the next story. Until the next story. I hope that uh, during this series, one of my hopes is that you realize nobody's perfect. So here were these great men of faith, these powerful men of faith, and rightly so, we honor them. We should honor them. That's wonderful that we honor the 12 disciples and that we, that we look at them and say, wow, they were men of God, and Christ is honoring them too. But at the same time, they were real people who made mistakes. And we're going to read in just a moment about Peter's mistake. And so I hope that you can look at their life and say, you know, these great men of faith, they made mistakes. I can make them too. Not purposely. Not that you're out to make them. But when they happen, happen, you know that God's mercy and grace is there. And you know that God will work through your life. So don't worry when you make a mistake. Just come to God. Just come to the Lord. His mercies are there. And so Peter had
had one of those moments. He had one of those moments where he said, you know what? This is not going to, I've got a new position, Lord, and I'm going to take that position serious. So let me, let me read uh, from verse 21. Now we skip some verses there. So this is the very next story. So Peter just was high, high, he was lifted high. He was acknowledged by the Christ, kind of has a new position there. And so verse 21 says, from then on, Jesus began to tell his disciples plainly that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem and that he would suffer many terrible things at the hands of the elders, the leading priests and the teachers of religious law. He would be killed and on the third day, but on the third day, he would be raised from the dead. But Peter took him aside and began to reprimand him for saying such things. Heaven forbid, Lord, he said, this will never happen to you. Jesus turned to Peter and said, get away from me, Satan. You are a dangerous trap to me. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God. Oh, man, I don't know. This is one of those stories that have always caught my attention. That in one minute, Peter is declaring the revelations of God. One minute, he's the rock. He's, he's a leader. He's got it all together. He's saying what needs to be said. When everybody else, remember, I believe there was a long silence and everybody was not saying anything. I'm not answering that question. Remember, they didn't know who he was. You and I know who he is. And we have 2,000 years of history and experiences to say, well, duh, I know who Jesus is. The disciples didn't have that. And so in that moment, Peter, he was going out on a limb. And it was a thin limb, and it was going to probably break in his mind. But he stood up when everybody else was silent, and he said, You are the Christ. What a moment that Peter was willing to put his life on the line. And the very next moment, he's called the devil. He messes it up. Peter, what is going on with your life? How are you in one moment this really godly person and speaking truth, and in the next moment Jesus is rebuking you? Well, we always know that Jesus is doing that in love, and he greatly loved Peter. Peter, or God, Jesus was not upset with Peter. Jesus didn't get rid of Peter. Jesus didn't slap him in the face. He was helping him to grow through this. Now, I want to do something first before I, I get to the uh, spiritual aspect of this uh, story. I want to share just a brief message with you. Now, how many of you remember back in February, I told you I, I had switched my sermon and that I was saving some material for later? All right, don't answer the question. Because I know none of you remember back in February what I was going to preach. But I mentioned to you that I had something that I changed, but I was going to save it, and I'm going to save it for today. Is that okay with you? All right, okay, Pastor Mark, come and help me and uh, bring up the uh, marker board. Now, I'm going to reveal something as if you knew me, as if you didn't know already, that I am not perfect. But one of the things that I'm very bad at is drawing and writing. If you've ever gotten a card from me, it's, you probably said, what is he talking about? I don't have good penmanship, so I wrote the letters. Now, uh, so you have these words, and I'm going to explain it here in a moment. I am going to draw something in just a moment. But Tara and I received 
message at a marriage retreat. And uh, I still, to this day, if you do any, if I do any premarital counseling, I have this picture that Tara drew on the back of one of the worksheets I did. And uh, of course, it's her writing and her picture, so it makes sense today. That's 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 Tara's writing, but we'll see what happens with the pictures. But this was this was so good and so powerful. I'm going to share it with you because at the end of the day, what was going on with Peter is he had a communication problem. He had a communication problem. In one minute, he was a good listener. He was listening to God. God was revealing something to him, and he spoke it. And then in the next moment, he's not listening to God. He's just listening to himself, and then he gets himself in trouble. So there's a communication problem. So that's why I'm going to share this with you. All right. So it was a marriage retreat, so this is going to be a marriage. And so we're going to draw Tara, or I'm going to draw Tara. All right. So we're going to put that. She has curly hair. How many of you like Tara's curly hair? And she has a slim figure. So that's slim figure. All right. There's Tara. I don't know. All right. Let's do it. I'm going to draw me because she's married to me. So this is this is me. And uh, I'm going to give myself a rock now. when we got married. I, I was 130 pounds when I got married. I'm not 130 pounds anymore. All right. So, this is marriage. And this is what we received. And let me let me share this with you. It's very good. Maybe, I mean, you know these things. I'm not going to give you anything you don't know. So, before I got this black eye, let me tell you what happened. Uh, Tara had a thought. And the thought was, boy, I She has this thought. She then encodes this thought. She encodes, how do I explain, how do I share my thought with Sid? And that's what we call encoding. So if you have a thought today, you, you, you're hungry. You're going to think to yourself, how do I express I'm hungry to my spouse today? They've been talking to the same person for 30 minutes after church in the parking lot. And it's hot outside. So that's what we call encoding. So I'm going to encode my thought. Now that encoding comes out in words. And most importantly, these words, and when I didn't have a space here to write, it's really verbalizing. And this is what they taught us. And you guys know this. I'm sure this is no surprise to you. The verbalizing is actually 80% of communication is what? Nonverbal. 80% of communication is nonverbal. So you can be saying these words, honey, I'm hungry, and that those words communicated 20% of what your actions and your tone and where your hand was on your hip and your foot tapping, that all communicated 80% of, let's go, right now. Those are our words. Now, decode. So now, you know, you were hungry. Let's stick with that one. I don't want to get Tara in trouble. So you were hungry. Well, let's go with the parking lot one. So you were hungry, you encoded it, you spoke it, now the spouse decodes the message. I'm hungry. 
now we decode the message of doesn't she know I'm helping somebody? Doesn't she realize I'm sacrificing time to invest in a friend? Doesn't she value that I can have a friend or that we're talking in the parking lot? Doesn't she see it? And you say to her, honey, you just wait, and then next thing you know, you get the black eye. Oh, boy. All right, that's enough of the picture. Now, this it's a very good it's obviously, it was a whole three days of this, and I just gave you just a, a brief uh, summary of that. But here's the point. The point in communication is that you may think you're talking, you may think you're communicating, but this decoding, this is where we get in, in trouble. We get in, tro- uh, in trouble encoding. Now, we encode our thoughts based on experiences. So let's say she had an experience in the parking lot where the dad always spent hours talking in the parking lot, and that would just get her so upset. So of course she's going to get upset because she's encoding the message based on her experiences. We talked about emotions or in the, in the moment. You're encoding your thought based on how you feel. I am hangry, so the encoding is not going to be very kind. I'm coming after you. I am hungry. Don't you get it? And so your encoding is not going to be very kind. And it's this process of encoding that gets us in trouble in our marriages, in our jobs, in all of our relationships, because we're not thinking about how we're encoding the message we're wanting to hear. I said to you as a church, I want to be a part of a church that we hold each other accountable. I want to be a part of that church. But the number one rule of accountability is do it in love. Do it in love. Do it with the expectation of, boy, I want to help you. Not, I, I want to tear you down. You messed up. I can't believe you didn't show up to my birthday party. Come here, i got to stuff the tent. No. Accountability, the, the basis of encoding our accountability is always love. It's mercy. It's grace. It's compassion. I want to be held accountable with your compassion. I want, I'm going to hold you accountable with my love and my mercy. That's how we're going to encode. I'm going to tell you today, I'm going to tell you, and this is for me included. How are we going to stop fights in our marriage? Right here. Let me jog my soapbox. I can't mess this up now because I'm almost done. Right here. This is how we're going. Step one in stopping fights in marriage is Encoding with feelings, emotions, past experiences. Stop encoding your words with what you think is right and what people need to hear. Because this right here, if you use the love of God and the truth of God's word to to encode your thoughts, I know we're still going to have fights. But, you know, it's going to be a lot easier. Let's just say that. And then the other place we get in trouble is the decoding. So maybe we got through the encoding. But this is the other place we get in trouble. We start thinking, oh, this is what that person meant. Uh, I know what they meant by that. I know what they're doing. I know what they're saying. They don't like me. They don't value me. They don't care about me. And we start decoding words and actions, and when we decode based on our feelings and our emotions and our experiences, 
we get a black eye. That's what happens. And it's in these two areas that we have to say, Lord, I want you to help me. I need your help because I have a lot of hurt. I have a lot of pain from my past. I've been hurt by people before. So when they hurt me, I'm going to encode my words in not a kind way. God, help me to decode my boss because every time my boss says something, it reminds me of my father getting on my case. And so every time I decode an instruction for my boss, I want to fight back. I want to get mad. I want to walk off the job. I want to show him what I'm thinking. Not based on my experiences, but based on truth, based on love, based on mercy. And that's exactly what's going on with Peter in this scenario. Peter, in one moment, Peter is, is he's taken this whole process, and you know what he, he did? He said, okay, God, what do you want? Because Jesus had been, Jesus had been speaking. Jesus had been speaking words and truth. And his and we know Jesus encoded his message perfectly, right? There was no mistakes in Jesus' ministry. What he said, when he said, you have to eat my flesh and drink my blood, there was no mistake. There was no mistake. So we know Jesus is encoding his message perfectly. But the disciples began to decode his messages. But there was one moment where Peter said, I'm going to decode this message solely on the revelation of what God gives to me. And he said that God had revealed to him that Jesus is the Messiah. And so Peter said, you are the Messiah. And Jesus said, Peter, I want you to know that this wasn't given to you by any human being, but this was revealed to you by God. Peter, you're not decoding this message based on your experiences. You're not decoding this message based on your feelings. You're not decoding this message based on what people are telling you to do. You decoded this message with God's help. You've done it, Peter. You stood up when everybody else was quiet, when everybody else didn't want to say anything. You stood up and you said, you are the Christ. You knew that statement could get you killed. You knew that statement could get you kicked out. You knew that statement would for sure possibly shut down your fishing business for the rest of your life. But you weren't decoding that message based on your worries and concerns. You decoded that message based on God's love and power. And he spoke it. He spoke that message with truth. He spoke it and he gave it because he used God and God alone. But then in the very next scenario, what does Jesus begin to say? What was Jesus' words? He said, I've got to die. I've got to die. They're going to brutally kill me. They're going to take my life. And they heard those words. Peter just got done doing this right. But then he said, oh, I'm the rock. Reveal that to me, I'll take it from here. And then the next minute, Jesus says, they're going to kill me, they're going to take me, and they're going to crucify me. And then what did Peter do? He decoded that message based on what? No longer based on what God was revealing, but based on what 
his experience of it or what he was thinking. But let me tell you this. Let me, let me add this. Was Peter right? Peter was right. Because let me tell you something. As a leader, I want you guys to have this thought, all right? I want you to say, I don't want Pastor Sid to die. I want you to have that thought. Now, if you want that, that's my heart. But I don't want you to think, I want you to think, boy, how, we've got to save Pastor Sid. Let's get a security team. Was Peter right in defending and protecting Jesus? Absolutely. But how many times have you learned that you can say something right and still be wrong? And it's because we're no longer relying on God to do code messages and end code messages. We say to God, God, I've got this. And I've been there before. I've shared with you before how my school closed down and uh, we, at my first Bible school. And so sure enough, they allowed me to preach. And, and the, we had a small school. So everybody knew how I felt about this. And yet the administration allowed me to preach. So you better believe, you know what I preached about that Sunday night at our school? I preached about faith in God. I preached about how he can do miracles. I preached about how he was going to do miracles in our life. And I, I encoded a sermon. I wasn't asking God for help. I said, God, I've got this. And I took his Bible, I took his word, and I used it for my advantage. Because I, I said, Lord, this is what you're going to do. I didn't ask God what he wanted to do. I already determined what he was going to do. And even though you could have taken that sermon today, if there was a recording, uh, there wasn't a recording of it, but if you were to take a recording of that sermon, you could use it, and it would help your life. But when you understand it from my perspective, I was wrong. I was wrong to use the word of God to advance something I wanted. And I encoded a message based on that. And this process, if you ever try it on your own, even when you're right, you'll be wrong. Maybe not the first time. Maybe the second time. Maybe the third time. What a world you and I, what a world we could live in. If, number one, everybody took personal responsibility. Let me go back to the first point again. If everybody would say, you know what, before I talk about anybody else, God, talk to me. What's going on in here? Before I complain about policies and procedures, God, what's going on inside me? What's happening in me? Am I reading my Bible? Am I praying? Am I doing something to change my society? Am I out there doing something? And then, Lord, in this process, think about an argument that you might be having right now. Think about a disagreement that you might be having right now. Think about the friction at work home, or past present. And if you were to say, okay, my job is to do better here and here. Don't worry about what they're doing, because that's everybody's issue, right? Everybody's issue is, I can fix you, I can fix you, I can fix you. Leave me alone. We have to come, we have to come here and say, Lord, help me here. And this is, this is my bottom line, this is my message. Uh, the band can come up, and Pastor Mark, you can lead the This is the message. We need God's revelation. We need God's revelation more than anything else in our life. I'm telling you right now, I know this. I'm in a room filled with intelligent people. I know that. 
99.9% of the time, what you speak is right. But we have to submit everything to God and say, God, is this what you want? Is this what you are saying? God, help me to encode. Help me to decode. God, reveal. God, reveal. God, reveal your will and your ways. God, reveal your truth to me. I want to speak what you want. I don't want to be like Peter and stick the, my foot in my mouth. I want to be like the first Peter, and I want to declare when everybody else is silent, I want to speak revelation. Revelation. Let me share this story. The band is going to sing this song. It is well. They don't sing the whole hymn, but there's a portion of this hymn. It is well with my soul that they will sing it. This is a revelation that we need in our life. Horatio Spafford wrote this song. Horatio Spafford uh, wrote the song, It Is Well With My Soul. Listen to this. Horatio dealt with the death of his four-year-old son. And then after that, he then had to deal with the Great Fire of Chicago in 1871. He was a lawyer. He owned businesses downtown Chicago. So when the fire came, his business went under. But do you know what Horatio was going to do? He, he, he had suffered a business loss. And you know what Horatio was going to do? He was going to travel to England to help D.L. Moody proclaim the gospel. Who goes out and gives when you have lost? A 24-7 disciple who has revelation from God. Somebody who can say, I know what my experience, I know what's happening to me right now, but I'm listening to God. And this is what God is saying to me. I need to go serve. I know I just lost all of my businesses in the streets of Chicago, but I have to go serve. That's revelation. Would Horatio been right in taking care of his business? Yes, he would have been right. But he was listening to God. So, Horatio was going to go to England to go serve and proclaim the gospel. His plans changed. And he decided to send his wife and four daughters over first. And the story goes that their ship was capsized. His four daughters died. His wife survives. And she sends him this note saying, Save alone. And Horatio gets the message. And obviously, he's heading over to England now. And while he is traveling on a boat, Going by the area where the other boat, where his daughters had died, he writes these words. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, I was taught me to know it is well, it is well with my soul. It is well, it is well with my soul. You can get outside of yourself today, and you can get a revelation from God. You can get outside of your feelings and emotions, and you can get a revelation from God. And when you get those revelations from God, and you bypass what you should be doing, and what the world is telling you to do, when you bypass all that to hear God's voice, and God reveals to you truth, you change history. Because over a hundred years later, we're still singing His song. Over 2,000 years later, we're still talking about Peter saying, you are the Christ. Would you stand this morning? 
I want you to re- I want God to reveal His goodness and mercy to you. I want Him to reveal His power to you. I want Him to reveal, no matter what you're going through today, God, move by Your Spirit. Move, Holy Spirit. If we're feeling bored, if we're feeling tired, if we're feeling upset, if we're angry, if we want to throw the towel in, God, I pray for Your revelation to come so that we can see what You're doing in our life. Speak to us, Lord, as we declare this song today. Speak, Lord Jesus.